Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to jump into James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, uh, verse 16. Reading out the New King James Version tonight. It starts with this in verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another. Everybody say pray. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then he gives an example about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced. Everybody say produced. It's fruits. Tonight we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, We're going to be diving deeper in it. I know uh, maybe we are all familiar with the idea of prayer, but I I believe this is that there's never a point in our life where we have figured it all out. There's never a point in our life where we think we have everything wrapped in what it looks like to spend time in God's presence in prayer. So I always think us just learning more and more in our prayer life is a good thing. That sometimes it's learning about something just as simple or maybe uh, as prayer can be profound for your life. Amen? So this is the title for tonight. Turn to neighbor and say, how to have a productive prayer life. How to have a productive prayer life. With that being said, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Let's pray over this evening. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. We thank you, Father, for uh, leading this sermon, God, for leading this uh, service. Uh, that we gather for your name. We don't gather there for our name, God, but we gather to learn more about you, Father. So have your way this evening. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place tonight, God. Uh, we thank you for, God, this change breaking off people, God, that by your spirit, God, people getting refreshed, God, but by your spirit, people, God, maybe uh, feeling joy once again, feeling peace once again, that when we gather in a place like this, the miraculous can happen by your name. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says... Amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight if you're ready to jump into it. All right. Did you know that every time you learn something new or you have a new experience or learn a new uh, craft or, or recipe or every time your, your brain encounters something new, that your brain actually physically changes? Uh, it's called uh, neuroplasticity, and what happens is, uh, and what scientists have learned and seen is that every time you learn something new, uh, your brain actually changes just a little bit, um, and that this happens throughout all stages of life. See, uh, it used to be the common belief that your brain would uh, reach a certain point, maybe grow to a certain age of around uh, your mid-20s, and then your, your brain stopped growing, and then from there on, it would start to uh, erode or, 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 or stop growing. But the case is that our brain is actually growing every day of our life. And scientists are really profound by it, but what we're talking about tonight is prayer, because what has really freaked out uh, modern scientists is what happens to the brain when we begin to pray. They've actually done studies. This guy did a study on a group of people who uh, would pray for only 12 minutes a day, very short, and we're going to get into you know, the length and all that, but just for 12 minutes, a group of people would pray each day um, without doing that beforehand. And 
after this a month's time, they looked at their brains and they discovered that the neuroplasticity was at a whole nother level than it was before. That their minds were actually transforming at a rate that no other type of skill, no other type of experience produces. And not only that, the, t- the, the area of the brain that was growing and moving was the area of the brain, that the neurons uh, that attributed to compassion, empathy, kindness, uh, self-control. So quite literally, when you spend time in prayer, your brain, your mind is physically and spiritually transforming. Come on, who thinks that's awesome? Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Because what confounds them is, is they're confused. The scientists are confused of why this happens. But as sons and daughters of God, we aren't confused. Because it actually says in Romans 12, 2, that we are for to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that only happens through prayer. You, you can have all these different experiences. You can learn all these new things. But the, the renewal of the mind, the transforming of the mind, of lining up with what God wants for us is done by spending time in his presence. That actually while we are praying, the greatest brain surgeon that ever lived, Jesus, is doing things in your mind and taking out fear and putting in hope, taking out stress, putting in peace. I mean, who's ever gone in a time of prayer after a long day of work? And all it took was this 10 minutes in prayer, and you feel a whole lot better afterwards. Am I the only one? That is all done, see, by design because God created us, and he knows how, what happens to us when we pray, that we undergo a physical and a spiritual brain transformation when we pray. That is why prayer is so important, so many aspects, and that is why I love Riverside Church. Because when you boil down this church to roots, we are a house of prayer. We are a church that loves to pray. Uh, prayer is one of our, of our values, um, which means this, that we will never have an event. We will never have a, uh, a get-together or an outreach or any type of thing with the Riverside Church banner without it first being led and covered by prayer. There will never be a time that we will ever make a decision that is not led by prayer. It's a value that we have. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, three times uh, a week, multiple times a week, the Riverside Church pastors and staff get together every morning at 6 a.m. to pray over the church, to pray over the families, to pray over the decisions, to pray over the community, to pray for every person uh, who involved the Riverside Church. Why? Because we understand the power of prayer. We understand that we're not wasting our time. We understand that that's not a way of uh, religion or tradition or rules and regulations, that prayer is the greatest time of a relationship with God we could ever spend. So what we're talking about tonight is the power of prayer. Because nothing happens unless we pray. Nothing changes unless we pray. We can't line ourselves with God if we don't have a prayer life that allows us to have the renewal of our mind to align ourselves with God's will. That's what the power of prayer does in our life. And the greatest teacher and mentor for prayer who ever lived is Jesus, which I think is coincidence because if there's one person who 
should feel like they don't have to pray to God is the person who is God, right? Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, so he could have just said, I don't have to pray to God. I just have to think amongst my own thoughts. But no, you read throughout all Scripture, and you will see that Jesus prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. He didn't pray every once in a while. He didn't just pray right before a big decision. He didn't just pray on Sundays and Wednesdays. He prayed every day. Actually says this and all throughout the Gospels that Jesus prayed and prayed and prayed. In Matthew 4, Jesus starts his ministry by praying and fasting for 40 days. In Luke 6, 12, in Matthew 14, 23, and Mark 6, 46, it's recorded that Jesus spent all night praying on a mountain. In Luke 5, 16, and Mark 1, 35, it says that Jesus went to pray in a desolate place. In Luke 9, 18, and Luke 11, 1, it says that Jesus went to pray in solitude. I'm saying all these things to get this point across, that if Jesus, the, the sole idea and reflection of perfection, knew that he needed to pray all the time, how much more should you and I understand that we need to pray, that we need prayer in our life, that we need to make sure that we're spending time with, with, with God in his presence and praying and having communion and a, and a discussion and conversation with God. So who's ready to learn and dive into prayer tonight? Because we're going to jump in. Because I talked about how Jesus is the greatest teacher and mentor in prayer. Uh, and we're going to jump in tonight in what is many uh, theologians believe is the greatest sermon ever, ever preached. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And while everybody's turning there, reading out the New King James Version. Um, if you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount, it's chapters from 5 to 7. Uh, put that on your homework and read it and just go through it and digest it. Because quite literally, it is powerful. It is profound. And what Jesus taught and preached, and some even believed that it was multiple days he was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's really something to behold. But while he was teaching the people, he began to preach and teach on how to pray. And that's where we pick up in Matthew 6, verse 5. And he says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Everybody say hypocrites. First thing I want us to catch together is that the verbiage that Jesus is talking here, he, does, he didn't say, uh, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. In a way, Jesus is not talking past tense or even current tense. He's, he's talking in a future tense way because he's saying, when I am pouring out my spirit in all flesh, you won't be praying like the religious Pharisees. You, you won't be praying like you see around people today. No, you will be praying in a way where there's a genuine relationship, where you're not just uh, praying and speaking out of rules and regulations but you're praying out of a relationship. Who thinks that's awesome? He wasn't just preaching. He was prophesying in that moment. And when he refers to the hypocrites, he's, of course, a lot of us notice, but if you, if you don't know, he's referring to the religious Pharisees and talking about the people in their day who use prayer and uh, religion as a way to boost their own platforms. And we continue, it says, For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, and on the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen, everybody say seen, by men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So what Jesus is telling these people, said, don't be like these uh, religious leaders or these hypocrites who, who pray only so that way men can see that they are praying. Because see, what would happen in their day to give the context to what he's preaching about Jesus, he is he, he's referring to the times in the day where uh, traditional Jewish uh, people would pray. And that was 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. Three times a day at those times, specific times, um, they would pray. And so what these religious leaders would do is that during those times of prayer, they would set up shop on the street corners. During those times of prayer, they would go into synagogues and make sure they were in the place where everybody could see them. And then during those times of prayer, they would be loud and they would be uh, praying so everybody could hear them. They would be saying all these long vocabulary words and they're saying, but their head and their minds was nowhere focused on God. It was all about them impressing people. He said, don't be like this because he said, if you are praying for people, he said, then that is what your reward will be, this impressing people. Then your reward will just be reaching people, not you being able to reach God in your prayer. Your reward will you just be seeing people seeing you and not God seeing you in your prayer time. So Jesus was saying when we pray, it's not for us to impress people. It's not for us to reach the ear of people, but it's for us to reach the ear of God. That prayer is not so we could appear righteous in the eyes of man. Prayer is so that way we could appear humble in the eyes of God. Point number one for tonight is this. Prayer is not for the publicity. Prayer is not for the publicity. By that I mean this. Prayer is not a way for us to get our reputation up in the holier-than-out right status of ladders, right, of saying, look how much I pray, look how much I do this, look how much I do that aren't I impressive to you? That is not the point of prayer. Prayer is not for us to be seen by people, but to be seen by God. Prayer for us is uh, not to appear holy to people, but for us to be humble before God and say, God, I need to have a discussion and time in your presence. I don't want to be seen by people. I don't care if they're looking at me or not. What I do care about is that my heart is in the right place and you're seeing me and me being able to reach heaven with me praying in your presence. Because Jesus is saying this, if your reason for praying is so people can see you pray, then that's all your word of prayer is ever going to be is that people are just going to see you pray. But if your reason for praying is so that you can be in God's presence and be humble before him and commune with God and have that relationship with him and be, have, be encouraged in your spirit, that is what our reward's going to be because God always sees the heart. Because we might be able to trick people, but we can't trick God. There's been times in prayer where I have to catch myself because I'm praying but I know I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about my to-do list, and I catch myself because I'm saying, I'm not tricking God. God's not looking down at me. He's like, ooh, you're doing good. He's saying, get your heart right, right? Get your mind right. Press pause on all your to-do list. Press pause on all those things because when God sees your heart line up, what your mouth is saying, that's when our prayers begin to be productive. But when we just pray and pray and pray, but while we're praying, our mind is drifting, our heart is drifting, we're not focusing on what God and his presence is doing in the room, we are missing out. God sees our heart. He knows when it's genuine or he knows when it's just us trying to have a PR stunt. 
Now, see, here's the thing. That was the society and culture of the day. Back in 2,000 years ago, everybody wanted to appear holy and righteous. That was popular. The religious leaders, Pharisees, that's what they wanted to do. That's the standard they set. And so everybody kind of followed that. But what I think is funny is that we are experiencing maybe the opposite in today. And today, now we all don't want to appear or, or be seen praying or crying or really worshiping or being vulnerable, right? Because I don't know if you ever had this thought. Sometimes be like, well, I'm praying. Like, well, maybe I don't want this person to know what I'm praying about. Or maybe I don't want this person to know that I need prayer, right? That maybe my life isn't perfect right now. Maybe my life is hurting right now. So that's why I'm praying. And, and so we don't want people to see us in that state of vulnerability because we're thinking maybe that makes us look weak, right? Or maybe that looks us, makes us look like we're making wrong decisions because why would we pray that much? Or why would we be that vulnerable? Why would we be that uh, so passionate about prayer? So in a time in the society, we're kind of experiencing the opposite. But to that, I would say this, is that if we pray with a genuine heart, then we know it doesn't matter what people see or what people say. It won't matter what people come off with in their own opinions and thoughts. All that matters is that we're reaching the heart of God. That's what matters. Because if you try to concentrate on your prayer by impressing people or by so people can't see that you are experiencing vulnerability, you're going to... You're going to miss out on what God has for you. But when you say, God, I don't care what people see. I don't care what people say. I just need to pray right now. I, I need to get to a Wednesday night service. And I need to raise my hands. I need to worship. And I need to pray. Why? Because I got some needs. I, need, I got some prayer that needs to be met. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter if how great you are. It doesn't matter how many things are going right in your life. We all need prayer. Every single one of us needs prayer. So when we pray. It's not because we're trying to, specifically in this church, when you see people praying, it's not because they're trying to impress you. It's because they know that they need that in their life. It's because they know that when we pray together, this is a safe place at Riverside Church, that when we pray together, we're not looking and thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on in their life. We're not saying, oh, I wonder what's happened with them. We're just all focusing on God together. We're just all praying to God together, and none of us is worried about what other people are thinking or doing. That's why we have to reach out to that. Because when we are praying, that is us responding to what God is doing in our life. Some prayers aren't just ones of SOS. Some prayers is one of us is giving God thankfulness and gratefulness for what he's doing. Sometimes the most passionate prayers I've had has been after a miracle, not before. Sometimes the most vulnerable I felt has been after something breakthrough has happened. I felt so in awe of God because I saw the miraculous hand of God move in my life. And that's made me pray and pray and try to reach out even more because I saw and I felt and I've witnessed the greatness of God. So when you see people pray, don't try to figure them out. That's what I'm trying to say. When you see people pray, don't try to say, I wonder what they're praying about. What God was saying, what Jesus was saying is this. When you pray, don't worry about how it looks to the public. Don't worry about what it looks in people's eyes. Just pray with a heart after God, and that's how you're going to reach him. Amen, Riverside Church? So as we continue in verse 6, and then Jesus, he, when he's preaching this, he's, he kind of, he, again, I love the verbiage he, he's using. In verse 6, he says, but you, turn to your neighbor and say you. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father 
who is in the secret place. Everybody say secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He will reward us openly. I just want to encourage somebody who feels like their prayers haven't been seen by people or hasn't been uh, really felt out in the open. Can I just say this? Do not stop praying just because you haven't seen it yet on the other side. Jesus sees everything you do in secret. Once again, here's, here's the advantage of God seeing everything. Not only can you not hide the bad things, but you can't hide the good things from him either. He sees when you're praying. He sees when you have genuine hunger. He sees when you have genuine compassion. He sees all those things. So don't worry how it looks like in other people's eyes or how it's going to reach the headlines. Don't worry about that. It will get there, and Jesus will do that. He said he will reward us openly. Why? Because he sees in secret. And Jesus was telling this, the people who were listening to his sermon, he says, when we pray, he says, go into our room. He says, so nobody can see you. He says, shut the door so nobody can interrupt you and enter the secret place. I think right there, that's just such a simple formula of prayer, right? Get into a place where nobody can find you, right, where nobody can see you. Close your door so that way nobody can bother you. Or for some of us, put your phone on do not disturb so nobody can bother you and enter the secret place. Because the secret place is wherever we go alone and spend our time with God. That's the secret place. It says in Scripture many times throughout what the secret place is. In Psalms 91.1, it says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the secret place is where we go and get in God's presence, and that is where we experience his peace. That's where we get joy. That's where we get the confidence that we need to continue with the life God has called us to live. Because there will be times that we will feel like we need to stop or we feel like there's things, too much pressure coming against us. But it's in the secret place where we find the strength to carry on. There's been many times where my secret place has looked like my car, where I turned up the music, was on the road, and entered the secret place. Or there's, there's been times where a secret place might look like a, a, a corner in the house where nobody knows about but you, right? And you're just able to get alone and get in your secret place because that is the most privileged place to be you could ever experience is a secret place. Go and find and spend a time with God in your secret place. That is where we receive the joy and the peace that we need. That is when we get along with God, seeking his face, seeking his will, talking about what's, what we're dealing with, talking about what, what's going on in our lives, and spending that one-on-one -on -one time with God. That is our secret place. That is our place where nobody else, the world can't give you a secret place. Uh, uh, society can't give you a secret place, but God gives you a secret place that says this, whatever's going on in your day, you can press pause at any moment and get and enter the presence of God and receive what you need in that moment. That is a secret place. It's a personal relationship with God. And that's point number two for, for tonight is prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. Prayer is, is not just something that we do maybe, oh, uh, Sundays or Wednesdays, prayer isn't something that we just do before we eat a meal. Prayer is personal. Prayer should be something that we're doing throughout our day. Prayer should be something that we're doing whenever we're just, you will find yourself even when you're just in the car or doing something in the grocery store and you're just praying. 
this praying, saying, thank you, God, for today. Thank you, Father, for directing my steps. Thank you, Father, that everything that I do, God, let it be lined up with your will. And you're just praying throughout the day. Why? It's a personal thing for you. Because prayer is our refreshment. It's our, prayer is our privilege. That's why prayer, it can't just be a monthly thing. Prayer and getting in the secret place can't just be a weekly thing. That's why Jesus said we have to pick up our cross and carry it daily. Everybody say daily. Why? Because we can't live today off yesterday's prayer. We can't live today off last month's prayer. That's getting pretty bad, right? And some of us, well, man, I'm living today off last year's prayer. Or some of us, I'm living today off my mama's prayer. Who's there with me there, right? We have to have that prayer time every day because that's where we get our inspiration from God. That's where we get the motivation to continue. One of the greatest, really, revelations I got from God really early in me going deeper with him was this, is that motivation was never meant to last. By this, I, let me explain. Have you ever been so motivated to work out the next day and it's like 10 p.m. at night? And you're like, man, when I'm going to wake up, I'm going to kill it in the gym. Like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Like, you're just so motivated. You almost wish it was morning time already. Like, you ever been that motivated? And then you wake up in the morning, and where did that motivation go? Wouldn't that be nice if that motivation lasted forever? Like, that one, like this being motivated to work out, this lasted forever. It wasn't a thing that went up and down. It lasted forever. But here's the thing. Motivation was never meant to last forever. But you know what helps us? daily inspiration from God. Having that daily inspiration from God in your prayer time, all of a sudden you weren't feeling motivated to live for God, but now that you spent time in his presence and prayed, even that's this for a little bit, now you got that inspiration, now you got that motivation. But here's the thing, we got to do that the next day and the next day and the next day because we can't live today off yesterday's prayers. We can't try to live today and make today's prayers stretch for an entire year. It doesn't work like that. He says daily bread, right? Fresh manna from God. That's how we're supposed to live this walk with him is today we're going to enjoy our daily bread and spend time with God in his presence. And that's how we stay fed and motivated to live a life after God. Amen. Why don't you believe that? Give Jesus a shout of praise to tonight. We have to pray every day. But one of the things, the questions I get is, man, that's, that's a lot of prayer, right? Like that's praying a lot. Like, how do you know what to pray for? Like, don't you run out of things to pray for if you pray all the time? I'm glad you asked, okay? Because in Scripture, it actually says, this is why praying in the Spirit is so important. In Scripture, it actually says that when we don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will intercede for us. Here's what's powerful about that. Sometimes we don't know the will of God. I don't care who you are. Sometimes you don't know what the will of God is. So, but, but when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit begins to pray the perfect will of God over our life and intercede for us. And literally, what we cannot even confound to say in our minds, we begin to speak in the Spirit. That's why praying in the Spirit is so important. That's why we uh, always, always encourage people to say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you, is for today. When we're talking in growth track, we just have a growth track class this past Sunday. And one thing we say during that class is this, is that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit at this church. And not only that, we believe this, that it was the baptism, it wasn't just for the early church or for the apostles. It is for the church today. 
and we've seen the outpouring of it. So if you're one of those people maybe coming with a background of thinking you're not good enough or you're not smart enough or you don't have uh, enough experience in Christianity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let me say this, it's for everybody. Every hungry heart will be filled. Every hungry spirit will be filled. All you have to do, the only requirement for the Holy Spirit is to be hungry for the Holy Spirit. That's the only requirement, to hunger after the righteousness, and you will be filled. Amen? So if you're hungry for that, go to our Born Again workshop on Saturdays led by Pastor Bobby. I'm telling you, it's going to open up your eyes, and you're going to receive everything you're hungry for. As we continue with verse 7. Jesus saying this, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. Which I think is funny because at first the Pharisees were hypocrites, now they're heathens. They keep on going lower and lower. He said, don't don't do vain repetitions like the heathens. He said, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of. Before you ask him, Jesus was saying this. He said, prayer, when you pray, it's, it's not based on your length or your vocabulary. It's not, it's not based on how good you are at prayer. Because there was actually a belief in this. It was actually taught by the Pharisees. They actually said, the longer you pray, the more you're going to be heard. And so they would have prayer meetings. And it was one of those prayer meetings where one person prayed for hours. Because they thought that the longer you pray, the more likely God is to hear you. But Jesus was saying this, it's not about the length, it's about the depth. Because if you pray long, but your mind's not in it, your heart's not in it, your words are, you're wasting your breath. Because it's not about your vocabulary, it's not about how good you are at prayer, it's not about how having all these words to say in Greek or, or Hebrew and thinking that these fancy words, God's going to look down like, I'm really impressed by you. <laughs> yes, you're answered, right? Like, that's not how it works, and that's what Jesus is trying to communicate because you got to look at the context. He was speaking to a, a group of people, mostly uh, commoners who, di- who didn't have vocabulary, who didn't really know the word of God, who did But he was saying this, you don't have to have everything perfect to reach my ears. You don't have to think that you haven't been a Christian for 30 years to reach my ears. All you have to do is have a heart after me, and every prayer will be heard. Everything that you say will fall upon fresh ears, and there will never be a time where God will forsake us in our prayer time. Because we have to know that prayer isn't about delivery. It's about sincerity. Prayer isn't about us having this perfect vernacular or vocabulary. It's about us saying, God, sometimes my greatest, most powerful prayers has been this. Too many Ps sometimes. The most powerful prayer has been this. God, I need you. That's all I said. I said, God, I just need you right now. Boof, I just felt the presence of God right there. I just felt his presence come upon me and anointing come upon me. And all of a sudden, I began to know what more to pray, but... To God, this needs that sincerity. See, the heart, because we go up to God and say, God, I thank you that, you know, you are the most unto all these things and, and trying to make it make sense in your mind. It's falling. It, you're wasting your breath. You're saying, God, with a sincere heart, begin to pray and, and dig deeper into it. That's when God sees what you're praying is from the heart. Point three for tonight is this. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not about impressing God with your words, but with our heart for him. God said that David was a man after his own heart. 
If you read about David, he was not a perfect guy, right? You read about his life. Here's what, I, what, what, what I've seen is if you read all throughout First and you know, Second Samuel, you read about the life of David, you'll find all the mistakes. You go to the book of Psalms, though, and you wonder why, because sometimes you think, Oh, you know, how is a man after God's own heart? All throughout, you see mistake after mistake, reading about really his biography and, and 2 Samuel and all, and reading all that. But then you go to the book of Psalms, and you begin to read the prayers. And you begin to read his, his hymns and his songs to God. Then you understand, oh, this is what God meant by a man after his own heart. He didn't mean that this was David, the perfect king. He said, this is David, the king who was after the king of kings' heart. He spent time in prayer, even after mistakes, even after things he knew that he saw that he shouldn't have done that. He went straight to prayer. That's why David said, I am so glad when they say to me, let's go into the house of God. Why? Because David knows he needs it. David knew that he needed that prayer time with God. David knew that he needed that time with him and that it, prayer wasn't a performance. It was about him being after God's heart. See, prayer is not just about us informing God about our day and problems. Because if you read the end of the scripture, it says God already knows all those things. You don't go up to God and treat him like a vending machine and say, God, I need that. And I need this. And you didn't, I, my, no, it's not about us informing God or impressing God. It's about us getting into a place in his presence and God changing us, not us changing God. But us getting into his presence and watching how we are literally mind being transformed, our mind being renewed through us just praying the word of God, through us just spending time in his presence. That is when we begin to get in the secret place and begin to feel, us, feel God influencing our lives. And we begin to pray and, and one of the really greatest maybe misconceptions about prayer is that we think prayer is a monologue, that prayer is just us talking to God. And once we're done talking to God, we just walk away and say amen. Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. God wants to talk to you. God wants to respond to you. Sometimes we can just be somebody, you ever talk to somebody on the phone and they do all the talking and they say, okay, that's all I have to say, bye. And you're like, I didn't get a word in, right? God wants to talk to you. That's through his scripture, through his word, through so many avenues, through us praying, through us even having visions and dreams. God wants to speak to us. And that's why when we pray, don't try to rush off so quick or don't try to go from this to that so quick. Give God space and time in your spirit to listen to what he says. That's why there's been times in, in, in prayer where I'm just literally just not saying a word after I was praying, and God's just speaking to me. I'm like, yep, God, yep, that's right, yep, and it's feeling that, because that's what God wants to do. Not just us having a monologue, not just us telling him our problems, not us treating him like, the, like our aunt, right, telling him all our problems, say, okay, bye, that's all I needed, right, and not letting them giving us advice or giving us direction. That's what prayer is, us praying to God, God knowing, God, when we pray to God, he already knows our problems, He's not surprised by our problems, like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know that about you. That caught me by surprise. Or, oh, I didn't know you needed that. He knows our problems already. And we begin to pray for him. We begin to, to get in his presence. We're just having a conversation with him and saying how much, God, I love you so much. And thank you for providing this and providing that. And, and yes, you can pray for your needs, but don't spend all your time on the needs. Pray it once. God heard you the first time, right? 
Prayer once, begin to thank God for your needs. Begin to say, God, thank you for providing for me. God, thank you, God, for providing whatever that is you're praying for. And begin to give him praise and worship for it. Because that's when you go from a monologue to a dialogue and you begin to feel encouraged by the Spirit. Begin to have a conversation with him. Going back and forth. So that's why we don't have to pray long, especially in and maybe in public, in private, we can spend all of it. We can spend hours in praying. Sometimes that's a good thing. But what God was saying in that scripture, it was not about length, it's about depth. If your heart's not upon him and you're not focused on what he's doing in your life, you're going to miss it. Because it's in that time of prayer is when we get authority. I want to touch on John 14, 12 real quickly, where it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise for that. What was Jesus was saying is he's given us the authority that when we pray, we can use the name of Jesus. That when we pray, when we know the authority, when we know who we are in Christ, then we know this, that Jesus said greater works will he do. So if we say in the name of Jesus, that authority has, has the weight to begin to shake your life. There's sometimes you, you can pray in any other name and it won't change nothing. But if you pray in the name of Jesus, you will feel the waves and the impact of that. There's been times in prayers to say this, in the name of Jesus, and it's feel the authority come out and feel God's will begin to be spoken because it's all in the name of Jesus. It's all about walking in the authority of who, not what we walk in, but who Jesus walks in. Because it's not our authority. It's not by us walking in the authority of Caleb. It's walking in the authority of Jesus. He gives us that authority. He gives us that authority to walk in. He says, if you just say anything in my name, it will be there for you. If we just say in the name of Jesus and begin to pray, in the name of Jesus and begin to pray, that is the most powerful prayer you can ever pray. You don't have to have all the crazy vernacular. You say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for healing. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for provision. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that my son or daughter who might be far away from God right now, I thank you in the name of Jesus they're coming back to the house of God. That's the authority that we have in our prayer time, that's all we need to do is to say, in the name of Jesus, begin to pray, spend time with him. It's in that secret place. It's in that time when we're spending in his presence where I believe this is when mountains begin to move. I believe this when transformation begins to take place. And what we talked about at the very beginning, not only does prayer change us spiritually, but it changes us physically. Literally, our brains begin to change and transform when we pray. I believe that's a sign from God showing us that we're not wasting our time. Because sometimes we pray and we don't see the change instantly, right? Sometimes we pray and we don't see it answered instantly. And we wonder if prayer even works or if prayer is even worth it. But every time we get together, get in the presence of God, every time we pray, it's not time wasted. It's not time. There's nothing you could be doing better with your time than spending it in the secret place with God. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. I'm closing. We'll close with this. So it's actually after this, after the scripture we read on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, tells them all how we should pray. And in, in verse 9, he says this. He says, and he prays the, 
maybe the prayer we've all memorized. In verse 9, he says, in this, mem- in this manner, therefore, pray like this. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise for that. The verbiage I found interesting is this. He wasn't using the, the word for us to pray and say, let my will be done, right? Let what I want to happen be done. It was all about us praying to God and say, God, your will be done. Jesus did the perfect example of this when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was experiencing great stress and anxiety about going to the cross. And he even said this. He said, if it's possible, God, let this cup pass it from me, but let your will be done, not mine. Prayer is not about our will being done. Prayer is not about us going to God and saying, God, I want this and I want it now. That's not prayer. Prayer isn't going to God and saying, God, I demand of you this. I want to close with this thought. Prayer is not for us to change God. Prayer is for God to change us. That deserves a hand clap. Go ahead. Prayer is not for us to say, God, change your will. Line up with my will. God, change how you're doing things because I want it to be done like this. So I pray right now to give me that brand new car in this and, or, or, or say, give me this Lamborghini, whatever. This is God. Say, God, I pray your will. And however it meets it, let it meet it. Because, God, I satisfy myself not in my will but your will. I long for not the things of my mind, but your mind. I long for not for the blessings that's spoken out of my mouth, but out of your mouth, God. The promises that you have for me, that's the promises I want. Not the things I see in society or the world. Not the the things that the world has to say, I need this or I need that. No, God, I want what you have for me. And he said, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Because even if it doesn't line up exactly what I have, God, I choose you anyways. Even if it doesn't look exactly what I want, God, I choose you anyways. I'm not, I'm not going to let my will get in front and in the way of your will. Let head bow. Now, let's pray real quickly. Father, we thank you right now, God, for stirring up in the spirit. We thank you, Father, for just encouraging us, God, to know that when we pray, God, we pray, God, with our hearts, with our minds pointed towards you, Father, that we're not praying out of pride. We're not praying, God, out of selfish ambition. We're not praying, God, so that way we can get exactly what we want and what what our flesh desires for. No, God, we pray because we want your will to be done. We pray, God, because we want, Father, whatever you have for us, God, for us to walk in it, God, for us to talk in it, God, for us to be able to go into the promises you have for us. So, Jesus, begin to stir us up on the inside, God. Begin to give us an insight, God, of how we need to God, shift our prayer lives to fit how you want us to pray, that we don't pray out of uh, publicity. We don't pray so people can see us and be impressed by us. But God, we pray so that way we can go and inside your presence, Father, and be influenced by your spirit. We pray, Father, so we can be transformed in mind and in spirit. We pray, Father, so that way not we can change you, but so that you can change us. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen, amen. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.